All right, let's open up our study in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, that we have to meet together, Lord, as family and teenagers. God, we ask that you would please bless our study together, Lord, that you bless this time. Lord, I pray that the principles of your word would be what would ring in hearts. And Lord, not anything that I have to say, Lord, I ask you to help me only say what you have me to say. Lord, that I can be a help to these people, Lord, because there's nothing I can do without you. So, Lord, we love you. We need you. We ask that you please meet the needs. And we'll thank you for everything you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen. The purpose of our study of Foot, Line, and Sinker, I will say that it's always been a dream of mine to um, actually have the parents and teenagers sit in the same room and study the same things, be on the same page. Um, from Cherry Schmidt, he said the purpose of this, of this curriculum is to draw the hearts of parents and teens together and to strengthen families with biblical principles and godly direction. And that's what I would say um, as my goal, too. Um, I appreciate Brother Kerry Schmidt and his ministry. Um, I've listened to him preach a couple of times. We've went to him at Youth Workers Conference, and I appreciate his look at youth ministry and then taking his hook, line, and sinker curriculum here and trying to apply it to our lives, trying to apply it to our families. I believe it will be a help. So I, nothing I say here as a 29-year-old guy with a 3-year-old and a 7-week-old, seven, I know that I am not... I would say an expert on teenagers, but we have got curriculum from someone who's been there, raised teenagers, has young people serving God. And I believe the things he says will also have a help in our lives. But not only that, we do go to the Word of God for our principles, and so I believe the word of the principles of the Word of God would also, the Bible says God's Word will not return unto him void, so I believe that would also help us. So as we look at uh, Lesson 1, The Fisherman and the Fish, the key verse here is Ephesians six twelve. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rules of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. One of the things the devil wants to do so, uh, so easily in our families is to make us think that the family's enemy. He wants the husband to believe that the wife is the enemy. He wants the wife to believe that the husband's the enemy. He wants the teenager to believe that the parents are the enemy. But the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So first, as we get started here in lesson one, we need to look at the enemy, see what he's trying to do to our families, to understand that our family, we're not the enemy. And if we can all get together as a family and start pointing our weapons, so to speak, at the devil instead of each other, I believe the Lord can help us so much. Because really what happens is, in our families and in our marriages, we get we focus so much on the faults of others and we think in our minds, well, if my wife did this or if my husband did this, if my teenager was doing that, they're really holding me up from being what our, this family should be. But if we would get our eyes off ourselves, even though our flesh is wrong and there's maybe situations in our family that other people may have caused, but we what we need to look at for the whole is that our enemy is Satan and Satan is divide, trying to divide the family. He's trying to take everything he can, and I mean everything he can do to destroy our families. I read a st- statistic that said four out of every ten Christians, not unsaved people, four out of every ten Christians believe that Satan is not real and that he's just a figment of evil or just an uh, object of evil. But if we're honest and we look at the Word of God and take a look and see exactly what God has for us, we find out that Satan is active He's real, and he's trying to destroy families. So let's look at it. Number one, Satan is the fisherman. 
We're looking at a slaughter from another world. A slaughter from another world. We're looking at Satan as the fisherman. Me and uh, Brother Mike Shustock had an opportunity to go fishing last Tuesday. And we went out to the Flint River over by the Montrose Park. And we threw, we threw in a couple of lures and had fun for a couple of hours. I did a lot of watching. Brother Mike did a lot of catching. Um, I think I pulled two in that I were on my line, but then I saw them. And then they hopped off at the end. But I'm going to count them since I did start reeling them in. And so we had an opportunity to go, and I do enjoy fishing, but I would not call myself a professional fisherman by any stretch of the imagination. My idea of going fishing is going to Walmart, looking at the probably the coolest-looking bait and what's inexpensive. And if it's cool and inexpensive, I look at it, and I say, you know what, if I were the fish, I'd probably bite on that, and I go out, take my fish and pull out, hook it to my end of my um, pull, cast it into the water, and wait and see what happens. And if they don't come in just a few little bit, I'll reel that in and throw it back out and keep doing that for hours upon hours upon end. And to me, that's exciting. But as we look at Satan as the fisherman, we see that Satan pretty much is a professional fisherman. Even the Garden of Eden, you have a perfect situation. You have Adam and Eve in a perfect environment with nothing uh, but themselves, just them as a couple. And you see Satan comes in and tricks Eve by saying, hath God said. He got Eve to deny, I mean, to question God's word. And even in a perfect situation, Satan sets the bait for Eve to bite and ultimately Adam and to plunge the whole world into sin. Satan is a fisherman and he knows exactly what it takes to destroy our lives. He knows exactly what bait, not, unlike I who would go to Walmart and look at the uh, bait and say, you know what? this looks good or this is what the box is this is what the people have marketed to me i would say oh upon what i have the little knowledge i have this is the right bait satan is a professional so he knows as a father he can look at exactly in my life what would cause me to fall and he can go to that and he can grab that bait off the hook he can throw it out there and you know at first i may not bite but he knows that if I live in my flesh, that I am not serving the Lord God and I am not aware of my enemy, that he knows that he can keep casting that same bait out and he can originally, I mean, he can at some point cause me to fall. See, Satan's a professional fisherman. He knows exactly what it takes in our families to destroy our lives. And sometimes we're ignorant to this and we think that, you know what, as things are going well for me, my kids aren't doing involved in anything totally negative. They're not all that bad. But what you have to understand is, see, Satan desires to destroy our families. And if we're not preemptive, we will not be able to survive. See, what happens usually in our lives is we look at it as Satan, I guess we look at it this way, that Satan doesn't desire to destroy our family. Satan just here to make our lives miserable. And I will say that we are so far and so in error when we say that. Because Satan's goal for our lives, for our marriages, for our families, for moms and dads, for teenagers, even for young people, is to totally, utterly destroy our lives. He has no desire other than that. He doesn't, it's not like he just wants to play with us. He wants to just goof around with us, almost like a lion playing around with a prey. The devil desires to destroy us. And he is the fisherman. Letter B, we are the fish. We are Satan's ultimate goal. We talked about that as Satan as a fisherman. If we go around 
as fish. I don't know of any. I know I've heard of smart fish. They talk about fish that can see the line and can see those things. But for the most part, most of us, for lack of a better term, are ignorant to the devil's devices. Some of us, as we try to go day by day, we, we just think, if I can make it to this, if I can make it past this day, if I can get it through this trial, if I can get through here, if I can just make it past here. And we live our lives not preemptively, knowing, understanding that the devil's trying to destroy us. But we live like most fish. And so that's why sometimes it's so easy for the devil just to cast out that line, him to throw that bait out there, and for us to bite it. Because, honestly, we're not looking at it. We are the fish, just like the fish that would be swimming through the water. And going through and seeing the bait and saying, ah, there's something to eat. Snatch out real quick before totally thinking about it. And that's what we are. We are the fish. And we totally sometimes miss the bait. We don't understand that Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy us. So A, Satan is the fisherman. B, we are the fish. C, the bait is a variety of deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies. The bait is a variety of deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies. The devil is subtle. He, in our lives, has so many subtle ways that even in a Christian home where we'd say we are conservative and we try to put up barriers, he has a way of getting that baited in those deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies into our lives. For a little while, a little while ago, a couple of years ago, one of my, I guess, resolutions, so to speak, was to go for as many secular things as I did, not necessarily sinful, but if I would watch television or if I would play video games, for whatever secular thing I would do, I would try to make sure I did something just for as long spiritually. So if I played my video, played a video game on my PlayStation, I would make sure that if I played for an hour, I wanted to have listened to at least an hour sermon or read my Bible for an hour or spent time with God in some capacity. For everything I did secular, I wanted to match it. And it was amazing to me as I started to do this, uh, I guess, experiment, so to say, the things that did not bother me before, the things that I used to take for granted, things that I used to let just go right by me, I started to notice those things, and they started to bother me. I would hear somebody take the name of the Lord and take God's name in vain. Whereas before, I'd be like, oh, that's unsaved, and unsaved people, and that's what they do. They don't understand. And now, when I got past the worldly philosophies... I started to understand, you know what, uh, that's not right. I mean, I would see, I would look at the, I would look at the situation and I would say, you know what, this is not acceptable. I would watch things on television that may have words in before that I would just be like, oh, they're unsaved. It's a good show, but it just has this in it. And it would start to bother me. See, the devil is so sly and so subtle with his worldly philosophy. See, one of the things, philosophies even nowadays, homosexuality. See, God loves homosexuals, but God hates the sin of homosexuality. And when we look at that from the Bible, we see that God is, it's not a joke to God. It's not funny. God calls it an abomination. But see, the devil's so subtle. In the older generations, and even in probably my generation, it would not be anything that I would not... I would stand against. I would say homosexuality is sin according to the word of God. But see, the devil is so subtle. He's trying to make it so acceptable that by the time our young people get to be our age, they grow up. It's going to be something that, well, this is just how it's always been. This is just how society is. And the devil is so subtle. 
our materialistic, we have a materialistic society. The devil is so subtle. We believe that if we don't have so many things, if we don't have all the great luxuries of life, that somehow God is not, God is not taking care of us as we ought. If I can't buy the car that I want, if I can't live in the house that I want, if I can't put my children in the school that I want, if I can't do all these things that I believe that I desire, then somehow God is not taking care of me as he wants. It's almost like Eve. See, the devil told Eve, well, see, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat the fruit is because if you eat the fruit, you'll be as God. You'll be like him and God's holding out on you. And the devil is so subtle. And just what we talk about here with the philosophies and the tactics that the devil uses in the bait. When we look at that, we see that the devil's subtle in our materialistic society. I was, um, we were talking about there was a young couple that came and they were missionaries. He had had a, a master's in electrical engineering and she had a master's in, um, I believe it was accounting. And they were giving their lives to go to the mission field. And I can't remember what mission field it was. I want to say like Papua New Guinea or something. But they were going to a mission field to replace an older couple on the field that were taking care of a radio station. And they were putting their whole lives into leaving America, going to a third world country, and pretty much living, keeping, and keeping up a radio station. And I remember hearing people talk about it afterwards. Wow, this young couple has so much talents and abilities. He has an electrical engineering degree. She has an accounting, a master's in her accounting. If they were to stay here in America, most likely getting a job, but they could do well for themselves. They can have the house they pretty much wanted at some point. They could drive the cars they wanted. They could live the American dream. But we failed to see that God has called two young people with ultimate talent, I mean, with great talent and great abilities to do the ultimate work of serving him and sometimes we think, oh man, wow, those are two talented young people. Why in the world would they want to go spend their lives on the field when we've just been, I guess, duped by Satan's philosophies in our materialistic society? Another philosophy that we believe, teenage dating. The world propagates that um, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old would have to have a, and be in a relationship with someone of the opposite gender to have themselves fulfilled. Our music, the music, pop culture music says that. They say that, hey, if you don't have a, a boyfriend, if you don't have a girlfriend, then really, how in the world are you existing? Sometimes as parents, we even go along with it. We're not pro-dating, but we think, well, I was young and I did this. Well, they like well, they, it's okay for boys to like girls and girls to like boys. And that is okay because that's how God created them. But see, all this causing is frustration of 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old to be in a relationship, a committed relationship with someone that they cannot marry and they have no probably even desire to marry, but they just want to spend time because that's what the world has told us. And the devil is slowly pushed this philosophy in our minds to where it's acceptable. And when we look at our family situations and we look at where teenagers are ending up, we find out that if we look at the whole picture, it's not working. 
But when we look at Satan's deceptive tactics and his worldly philosophies, we watch television. We tell our kids these shows are appropriate to watch or we turn on this channel and we see, the young people see that, man, this guy over here, he has an attractive girlfriend or this girl over here, she has an attractive boyfriend who's popular and athletic and I need that to be able for my life to be fulfilled. And sometimes the parents may say, well, that's kind of dumb, but that is what the young people believe. Why? Because the devil is so subtle with the bait. And the bait is a variety of deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies. Letter D, the bait is always attractive. Letter D, the bait is always attractive. And this is what kills young people. See, when they make bait for fish, for you to go fishing, you to put on the end of a pole and cast out in the water... They make bait that looks like or that is appealing to the fish. They don't make bait for certain fish that you're trying to catch that look like maybe something that would eat the fish, that would try and kill the fish, or that would be a predator of the fish. Because they know that if I make a bait that looks like a predator of the fish, the fish is not going to bite the bait. If Satan walked up and he had a big sign that said, hey, this, my name is Satan, this is my plan for your life then we'd know that, you know what, I'm not going to head that direction, I'm not going in that direction, that would be foolish. But no, the devil always makes debate attractive. See, the devil makes alcohol look great. If you watch any sporting event that's sponsored by a lot of the, uh, the alcohol companies, you'll see that they don't show a homeless guy laying in a gutter, Vomiting all over himself, dirty, ragged clothes. They show the high life, as they would call it. They show guys having a good time, girls having a good time. Everyone's kind of just in great shape. Everybody looks good. And they're just having a good time in life. The bait's always attractive. See, the reason why, young person, that you like the music that you listen to is because the music is attractive. I'll, uh, I joke with the team sometimes, country music. I do not have any problem with country music. Country music is not tempting to me. I make fun of it. I joke about it. But it is not something that would be ever be caught up in my life, Lord willing, by the grace of God, that it would ever bother me. If I hear country music, the only thing that it does is make me want to laugh. So you know what? In my life, the devil is probably, when I was a teenager, the devil was probably not going to be using country music. He wasn't probably going to get somebody to come and pass me a country music CD and say, Hey, Aaron, take this, take this, and listen to this. You'll love it. Because you know what? I wouldn't. I would take that CD home. If I did take the CD, I would listen to it, I would make fun of it, and then I would throw it away. Because country music is not that to me. And in your life, you may have things that the devil knows he won't get you in. But, see, the devil also knows, once again, because we go back to Satan is a fisherman and he's a master fisherman. He knows what bait is attracted in your life. Dad, he knows exactly what he needs to do to get you off track. Mom, he knows what it takes to frustrate you, what it will take to get you off from trying to teach your young person on how to live a godly life and bring them up the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He knows what things to bring in your life. Because... The bait's always attractive. He turns on a television show that would have a good plot, 
something that'd be kind of catching, that's kind of good or kind of funny. And it'll slowly slip in with his deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies until he has us hooked with the bait. See, we've got to slaughter from another world. Satan is the fisherman. We are the fish. The bait is a variety of deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies. The bait is always attractive. Number two, we have to see the other world. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are, seen are not seen are eternal. Hebrews 11.3 Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Ephesians 6.12, our verse for this lesson. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Seeing the other world. There is, letter A, there is a spiritual world beyond our physical eyesight. And sometimes I believe we're not aware of it. We don't understand how serious a battle for our family is. We live our lives, like I said earlier, just trying to get from one thing, if I can get my kid to get to college, or if I can get them through high school, or if I can get them, and we just live like this is all there is. But not only is there eternity to face, there is a whole spiritual world beyond our physical eyesight. And let her be, our enemy depends on our ignorance. Our enemy depends on our ignorance. What the devil desires is for us to be just like those fish and to swim around in the water, ignorant that there's someone out trying to catch us, ignorant of all the uh, consequences that could happen for us biting the bait. He wants us to just go through life ignorant. And when we look at it, we look at our Christianity, we look at our families. Sometimes it's so easy to see the problems in other people's families. Sometimes it's so easy as a parent to look at another family and say, you know what, my kids would never do that. Sometimes it's easy as a teenager to look at your parents and say, you know what, I ought not do that. I mean, why in the world are they doing that? They shouldn't, my parents don't know what they're doing. But see, what the enemy depends on is our ignorance. There's a whole spiritual world that's fighting against us, trying to disarm us trying to be for us to be ignorant of the fact that we have problems in our own family that we have things in our own life we have to deal with and that the devil ultimately and his demons want to destroy our family they want to get just like i said earlier talking about the bait he wants to get it into our homes second corinthians 4 4 says this in whom they got of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of god should shine unto them whether saved or unsaved, the devil's goal is to blind our minds from hearing and receiving the word of God, from hearing instruction, from seeing the problems in our lives and trying to fix those things. This is why we, have, we want to do hook, line, and sinker. Because we want as a family to come together to look at all the situations in our lives for parents to sit down with teenagers, for husbands to sit down with wives. And we talk together, try and figure out how in the world is the devil trying to come in and we build a bridge, I mean build a hedge, a wall about our family so that we can not be ignorant of what the devil wants us to do. How are we going to do that? Let us see. Pray that the eyes of understanding would be enlightened. We're going to pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. 
we've been studying the book of Second Timothy, and uh, on Wednesday nights in youth group, and we read the first part of Second Timothy. Paul talks about how Timothy is his beloved son. He's not his biological son, but he's his son in the faith. And he goes on and says that with a pure conscience that he prays for Timothy night and day. I was telling teenagers. I was reading that passage and thinking of my, my son and my daughter. Do I pray for them night and day? They're on my prayer list to pray for them every day, but are they constantly in my mind, understanding that the devil wants to destroy my family? Are they on my heart night and day that I continually, without ceasing, cease, I mean, commit to praying for them? See, how are we going to do it? We're going to pray that our eyes of understanding be enlightened. We're going to pray that God would do something in our lives, would he help us to see what we cannot see? Ephesians 1, 15 through 19 says this. It says, wherefore I'll Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love on all saints, cease not to give thanks unto you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints, and, that, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. We want God to open our eyes to the problems. See, praying for our, our family, praying that our eyes will be open, is not something that can be done in a five-minute time period. It's not something that can be done in just, Lord, bless my kids, bless my husband, bless my wife. God, help us as a family. We have to be continually in prayer. Asking God to do things in our hearts and in our lives and in our families night and day. So there's a spiritual world beyond our physical eyesight. The devil and his demons are trying to destroy us. Be our enemy depends upon our ignorance. The enemy depends, Satan depends on us not seeing his plan. The Bible says the wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. See, the devil's plan is if he can catch us unaware, catch us off guard, he can destroy our family. See, we're going to need to pray that the eyes of, our, of your understanding would be enlightened. God, would you please help me to see what's coming down the road in my family? God, if there's things in my life right now, if there's things in the lives of my family, in the lives of my children, God, that you see that we need to re- remedy, that we need to take care of, God, would you please show those to me and give me a heart to be able to change that? We can't go by our flesh. We can't go by our feelings. We have to pray. Ask God to enlighten us. Number three, exposing the enemy. Exposing the enemy. The battlefield. The battlefield is our imagination. The battlefield is our imagination. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your, your obedience is fulfilled. When we look at this, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, we understand the weapons that we're, we're fighting with are not physical. 
Why? Because there's a, a whole spiritual world that most of the time we don't even think about that is trying to destroy our family. So the weapons that we fight with, they are not physical weapons. We do not go get guns, even though we may have them in our house to protect our home from outsiders, from those who would do our family harm. But as we look into our family, the spiritual warfare is not a physical battle. But the weapons that we have are spiritual, as it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, what the devil desires, our enemy's desire is that we would imagine a false reality create a false truth, and then beginning, begin acting in response to it. So the devil wants me to get something, a, instead of taking the truth that I know to be true, in my family, he wants me to take that truth, he wants to turn it into a false truth, a false reality, something that I think is happening or I perceive to be happening, so that he can ultimately make that truth in my life, so that's how I respond. Let me give you an illustration. And Kerry Schmidt uses this in his book. Multiple times, uh, when I get up to preach, I can have a message in my heart, a message in my mind that I know that God laid on my heart to preach. And the closer I get to getting up in the pulpit to preach this message, to going to the auditorium and getting ready to preach, the devil fights in my mind. You know what? Nobody really needs this message that you're about to preach. You know what? This probably isn't what the church is going through right now. There's probably no one dealing with this. There's probably no one that really needs that kind of encouragement. Everybody's doing well. And it seems like every person I shake their hand, every person I talk to before the service, it seems like their life is, their spiritual life must be going so well because they have such a big smile on their face. And the devil just keeps going on and on in my mind that, hey, this doesn't need to be preached. And in my mind, that becomes reality. If I can let that imagination be controlled by the devil, I will look at it and I will say, you know what? The message I'm going to preach, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be discouraged. I'm going to think this is not what God will have in the preach. Instead of grabbing the truth that I know, that God's word would not return void. That I know that God laid a passage on my heart or God laid this message on the heart because I know that the devil did not lay any passage on my heart to be a help to any person in our church. So when I look at that and I take the false reality of Satan and say, you know what? Maybe no one needs this. The devil has me beat. See, what the devil wants to do in our homes and exposing the enemy is he wants to create false realities. He may want us to think that our home is spiritual when it is not. Because we go to church, because we do certain things, the devil may want us to think, you know what? I'm right where I should be in my home. If he can get that false reality into your head, into your imagination... He will have you beat, just like that deceptive bait. He'll have you caught to where you no longer pursue the word of God and the truth of the word of God to try and build your home up. See, what he wants to do is he wants the husband to create a reality in his wife, in his mind about his wife. Well, my wife is trying to hold me back. My wife does not meet my needs. And if he can get that imagination to have a false reality... He can in turn use that to come back in and destroy our families. See, the weapons he uses are not physical. He's not trying to break down our doors and destroy our homes as we would think sometimes in our minds. What he's doing is he's fighting in our imaginations. 
The battlefield is our imagination. He wants a husband, I mean a wife, to get in her imagination a false reality about her husband, a false reality about her children, so that he can get a foothold in and win the battle of our families. He wants a teenager to look at their moms and their dad and to think, wow, my mom and dad have it out for me. The reason my mom and dad don't let me do these things is not because they care, but it's really because they're too busy to think about it. They really don't care about me. They don't really understand my situation. And if the devil can get those things, those thoughts in their mind, he gets a foothold. The battlefield is our imagination. See, the devil wants a parent to have a wrong, false reality imagination about the young person. Maybe you have a young person who's, I mean, I believe that teenagers are sometimes rebellious. But see, what the devil would want to do is to create a false, a false reality that sometimes, you know what? Teenagers don't do things because they're necessarily rebellious. Sometimes they do things because they're ignorant. They don't understand the ramifications of what they did. They don't understand that this result will have serious consequences down the road. But what he would want to do is to get a parent to have a false reality in their mind that, no, my child is trying to defy me. This is a rebellion. And they want you to respond incorrectly to the situation, driving your teenager away, not trying to handle it the Bible way. What the devil wants to do is the battlefield is our imagination. How do we fix that? We must rest in the knowledge of God. Letter B. We must rest in the knowledge of God. How do I keep from going into, how do I keep from having the devil plant those false imaginations in there? How I do it is, I trust God and his word. As a parent, I trust God and his word. I get into it, I read it. I try to apply it in my life. And once again, going back to pray that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened. I rest in the knowledge that God understands and God's word is true. And he knows the situation I'm going through. And his word is sufficient for what I need. So then I look at the truth of his word, the reality of his word. When the devil tries to put these false realities in there, I can come back. I can look at the situation through the eyes of the scripture and say, you know what? This is the devil trying to get things in my life. Psalms 119, 113 says this. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. 105, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, the light unto my path. How are we going to expose the enemy? We're going to rest in the knowledge of God. I'm going to get in a relationship with God and get so close to him that when the devil tries to pass the counterfeit realities in my life, I can look at the word of God and I can say, you know what? That right now, what the devil's trying to do is he's trying to win the battlefield of my imagination. And I'm not going to let him do that. I'm not going to live in a false reality. I'm not going to believe false things about God. I'm not going to bring false things about my family. I'm not going to live in a cloud of, of, um, of lies because I desire to think things my own way. I'm going to rest in the knowledge of God and his word. I'm going to pray that God would light my eyes. I'm going to pray that he'd help me. So today we've looked at in this lesson 
that's slaughtered from another world. Satan is a fisherman. We're fish, and he uses a variety of deceptive tactics and worldly philosophies that are always attractive to, to destroy me and my family. We see the other world, that there is a whole spiritual world beyond what we see. And our enemy depends on our ignorance to that fact. If he can get us just to go day by day and just trying to live the, the life, and just trying to go as things go, he can destroy our families, he can destroy our lives. But how are we going to fix that? We're going to pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. And number three, we're going to, we want to expose the enemy. The weapons of our warfare are not physical. They're spiritual weapons. And so we have to understand, we have to pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. God, would you help me to see the things in my life? God, would you help me to see the things in my family and try and fix those? And then number three, we're going to expose the enemy. The battlefield is our imagination. The devil wants to defeat us in our minds. And we're going to combat that by resting in the knowledge of God. Understanding that God and his word through the preaching of it, through the teaching of it, through my reading, my devotions, through my prayer time with him, I'm going to ask him to, God, show me. Let me know the truths of my family. Let me know the truths of your word so that I can live in reality, not a false reality, but a real reality of you. So those are our things. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we thank you for the time that we've had. God, we thank you for the lesson, Lord, that we've taught here from Brother Kerry Schmidt. God, I ask that you'd help these principles. Lord, to work, to apply to our lives, Lord, so that ultimately we can be effective families for you. Lord, the family is the structure. Lord, it's the, uh, I guess, the building block on everything else we do of this church, of our country. And Lord, right now the devil is trying to attack us, and we need your help. Give us wisdom. We'll thank you for all that you'll do in Jesus' name. Amen.